Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God. You guys may be seated, and uh, let's take a moment just to pray before we dive into today's word. I pray that your spirit would be here and working right now in every single person's heart, including my own. Lord, we've come in here with maybe emotions or maybe a lack of emotions. We've come in here with a passion for you or maybe we feel so dry. Maybe we love you or some of us here actually hate you. And God, I I just ask that you would do your transforming work through your word. It is not my power, my words, or my persuasiveness, but Lord, it's the power of the word that you've given to us. And so help us all to humbly submit to all that it is that you have for us here today. God, we are in so desperate need of you as we've prayed earlier. Lord, we need you so badly. And so we pray and we also cling to the promises that you say in your word that you are with us always. And so help us not just to understand this word, but I pray that it would uh, go deep inside of our hearts so it could bear fruit in each and every single one of us. And so, yeah, Lord, through today, through the rest of our lives, we pray that you and you alone would receive all the glory, worship, honor, and praise. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Growing up, uh, I played a lot of video games. uh, And one of the video games that I I loved playing uh, started off with the original Game Boy. And then I think the Game Boy Advance came out and it had the next version. And then the SD or something, the DS and stuff like that. I I stopped at a certain age, but this game uh, had a lot of different uh, monsters in it with different elements. I'm sure you guys are guessing what it is already. It's Pokemon. And uh, yeah, I think there are so many now that I don't know how many types there are uh, or elements or weaknesses and stuff like that, but not just in uh, Pokemon, but I think other games and animes too. There's like Avatar with the wind, grass, and fire elements and stuff like that. Um, and not just to kind of like shelter it just into video games too, but we live in a society where we have a lot of different choices. And the message that we hear outside is you can be a lot of different things. You can identify yourself as this or that, or even when it comes to religion too, some people say that all religions ultimately end up in the same place. Like whether you're Hindu, you're Buddhist, you're uh, Muslim or Christian, ultimately we are all going towards the same God. And we see 
bumper stickers like coexist. And I'm not saying that we're not called to coexist, but I'm just saying that there are different ideas that are outside that you guys are hearing about how we can be all different um, and make it towards the end in our own way. And I just need to share with you the words of this book. Um, the, the Bible actually explains that there's only two different types of people in the world. There are people that are described as children of God, or there are people described as children of the devil. And my prayer is that what we're going to do today is we're going to go through and see what the text actually says about what does it look like for us to be a child of the devil and what it looks like to be a child of God and how do we get there. Um, But as we're going through these things, I, I really, really desire that you guys would be attentive and listen because we're playing, we're not playing any games here. This, this is eternity that we're talking about. And every pastor that has ever come on this pulpit, I've been here for such a long time. I love listening to Pastor Sam. I love listening to Pastor John. And everyone's been faithfully preaching the gospel. And I'm not going to say that today's sermon is going to be any different, but I pray that for those of you that are kind of like already zoning out, already checking out, already thinking about what I'm going to do at home or what to look at my, at my phone, I pray that just today for the next hour, next 30 minutes or so, that you guys would really, really try to listen and understand what is being said in this book. And so first, we're going to just go through the book and we're going to look at everything that it says about children of the devil. In verse uh, four of today's text, we see that it says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And so what we first understand is if you are a child of the devil, your relationship with sin looks very different than a relationship between sin and a child of God. And the question is kind of exactly what is sin? If I were to pass around a piece of paper and a pen and I were to ask you guys to accurately describe what is sin, what constitutes what sin is, would you guys be able to have a clear-cut answer? And if the answer is no, then my fear is this. You are your own judge of what is actually sin and what is not sinful. You draw the line yourself, and so you're like, if I do this much up to this point, then God, it's not sin, but if I cross it, then that's sin, right? Just because of what I've heard, what I've thought, what people have told me, and that's not it. The Bible tells us exactly what sin is, and uh, I'm just going to give us a really good uh, tool. Actually, we uh, recite the Westminster Confession of Faith uh, in our English service um, for our adults, but Westminster Larger Catechism, uh, question 24, the question is, what is sin? And so if you guys want to, if you guys are taking notes, I highly recommend that you guys write WLC, Westminster Larger Catechism 24, so that you can have an accurate uh, definition of what sin is. What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of any law of God given as a rule to the reasonable creature. 
that is what sin is. And there's different, uh, if, you, if you YouTube what is sin and you look at the Bible project, it'll, it'll tell you the different ways that the Bible describes sin in the Old Testament and New Testament. You hear things like missing the mark. Sin is like, this is the goal and purpose of our life. And uh, what sin is, it's kind of like shooting an arrow in the wrong direction. It's also described as kind of like a power that uh, Satan has over us, a power for us not to do the things we want to do and to do the things that we do not want to do. That, that's what sin is, and I just want to go through what the Bible says and lists about sin in three different passages, and actually for one of these, I was kind of like, oh shoot, do I, do, do I say this out loud? Um, but then God convicted me. He's like, yeah, it's not about what people think about you. It's what people think about me and what is said in my word, and so we're going to look at three different passages. Galatians 5, 19 to 21, it says this, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Romans 1, 29, 32. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliceness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous degree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Those are very heavy words, and I don't know how many of those that you can examine in your life and see. But God considers all of these things as an offense to him, as the creator who has designed us in a certain way. And when John says sin is lawlessness, it's saying that we are living in a way that shows that there is no law, there is no God who tells us exactly what he wants us to do. And today's sermon is starting off pretty heavy. Um, I promise it'll get lighter, but we, we need to sit here. We can't move on from this. Um, if you look at verse 6, it says, No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Some of you guys might have heard that list and you guys might have been on the more uh, brought up right. You guys don't struggle with a lot of these things and you're like, you know what? Yeah, you tell it to other people. I said this in um, the retreat the other day for those of you guys that were here. A lot of us are sitting here with, as we hear these lists of sins, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the person next to you or you're thinking about the person in your life that was struggling with these sins, but not you. You are righteous. And this is actually what uh, Jesus said to the Pharisees 
in John chapter 8. And if you guys know what the, who the Pharisees were, they were the people who were given the book of the law, book of Moses, the Torah, and they knew it, they memorized it, and they tried their best to live it out. But look at this. Uh, John says to, uh, uh, John describes Jesus talking to the Pharisees. They answered him in John chapter 8. Uh, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you, are, now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And the word, reason why these words are so kind of similar, it, it sounds familiar, right? Because we re- read something like this in today's text. John the Apostle, who is recording what Jesus said there, is also the one who's writing this book to us today. And what he is saying to us here today is this. There is extremely, extremely bad news. When we look at God's word and we look at our lives, whether we are blatantly living a life of sin or whether we are coding ourselves with church attendance, serving or mission trips or things like that, but silently judging our brother next to you, brother and sister next to us. It shows that we are not understanding, not seeing, not knowing who Jesus is because that's not how Jesus viewed people and that's not how we are too. If you look at verse 7, it says that, do not be deceived, little children. And so another characteristic of the children of the devil are that they are deceived. And my prayer is that nobody here would be deceived. Whether this is the day you're like, okay, now I understand what Christianity is, now I'm going to actively reject it, at least at that point, you know where you stand with God. Or for those of you that are like, oh, I need to repent, then you know and you will understand how to be in a relationship with God. But what I want to put a depth to here today is that there is no more nominal Christianity, people who call themselves Christian but really do not follow Jesus. And that's how Christians get a bad rep. My friend, I've mentioned this before, but he came on a Sunday and he was like, man, I don't want to come back here again because... They don't look like what the Bible says. I thought they were supposed to be loving and welcoming, but they're just by themselves. And actually, I saw some of them at the bar the other day. They're doing the same things that I was doing. If you're going to reject God, understand that you are going to reject God. Don't play these games where you're like, okay, I'm going to call myself Christian because I come here on Sunday. Christianity is not about that. It's much, much, much more than that. And we're going to continue on just to see a couple more things about children of the devil. And once again, my prayer is that you guys would hear this and really examine your heart and say, wait, actually the Bible is talking about me. 
what do I do? Uh, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And what does it mean to be of practice, practicing sin? It means that we actively are choosing to disobey God, disobey God's commandments. And there is no sort of remorse that is in us. Everyone in the world's doing that. Why can't I do that? Why is Christianity all about these rules makes me feel bad? My, real, my friends out there, they're living the lives that they want to without all these limitations. Isn't that true freedom? So you know what? I'm just going to keep on sinning. I'm going to come into these doors and I'm, I'm going to just zone out. I don't really care. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to keep on sinning the way that I have been used to. We'll talk about what it means as Christians to sin and struggle with sin because the uh, book of First John explains that all Christians do um, struggle with sin, but we need to understand that people who are against God, children of the devil, they actively live in disobedience, actively participate and practice sin, all the things that I've mentioned earlier, without any sort of guilt, without any sort of shame. Everyone else is doing it, or I'm not as bad as everyone else. Isn't God going to just be like, okay, he's going to judge those people, but if you're at least this good, you'll go into heaven. And uh, he just continues to lay it down. He says, also, no one born of God makes a practice of sin, uh, of sinning. And it's kind of uh, similar to what he was saying before, but there's a contrast here. Um, it's kind of like, uh, there, there was this, uh, there was this, uh, Chinese couple that got married, um, and this was all over the news. I'm sure you guys heard of it too. And um, you know, they were they were beautiful, the the two parents, and then they had a child, and the child was not as beautiful as the parents. And they the the father was like, "What happened here?" And it's because he found out the the wife did a lot of plastic surgery, and so all of their children looked and looked like their mom. And in the very same way too. When we are living a life that is actively in disobedience, actively sinning, of course it's going to look like that because the father of you is the devil. Sounds so, so mean as I say that out loud, but I cannot sugarcoat this truth. This is what the Bible has to say. And so not only that, but it explains that no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Why? Because when we are born of God, we start to look like our Father. And that's what's supposed to be at the center of sin. Sin isn't just a list of rules because God wants you to look a certain way, to be morally perfect or etc. But when you are in a love relationship with God, you look more like him. And so sin is not just the Ten Commandments here and then you break it, but sin is what John Piper, I I like his uh, definition of sin. He also asked the question, what is sin? And he says, it is the glory of God not honored, the holiness of God not reverenced, the greatness of God not admired, the power of God not praised, the truth of God not sought, the wisdom of God not esteemed, the beauty of God not treasured, the goodness of God not savored, 
the faithfulness of God not trusted, the commandments of God not, dis- not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, the person of God not loved. That is sin. As I'm saying all these things, my heart is feeling like it's going to burst because when I look at my life too, I see a lot of these own things in my life. Treasure God. I don't always delight in God. I want to, but I don't. Um, And before I go into the good news of today, I don't want to move too quickly away from this. Because I, I think I've mentioned this a long time ago before, but if you had an hour to share the gospel with someone, one of my professors said, you should spend 55 minutes on the bad news, then share the good news. Why? Because when you water down the bad news, then the good news really isn't that good. You go to the doctor, you have a cold. Oh, that's it? I thought I was going to die. The other day, I was... Uh, I was lifting weights, and then I, I, I saw, like, this bump here, and I, I, thought, I thought it was a blood clot, and this was way past uh, 12 a.m., and then I Googled what happens when there's a blood clot on your neck, and <laughs> when you Google things, you, you're going to die soon. That's what it says. And so I was kind of like, oh, shoot, am I going to die? But then I'm here today, right? And so I was like, oh, yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal. But then what if I actually had a blood clot, which was going to lead to me having a stroke? But then I hear from the doctor, hey, we can heal you. Then my, my joy increases more because the bad news was worse, but the good news is even better. And in the very same way, every time I stand up here, I understand that I could be preaching to an eternal dead soul, not just someone, the saddest thing wouldn't be that one of you guys have cancer, even though that's so horrible. The, the, the greatest sickness that you could have is that you are rejecting God. And some of you guys might never come back once you guys go to college. And that's what keeps me awake at night. That's what gets me on my knees to pray for you guys. The bad news is bad, bad, bad news. Something that we all Number six, uh, I'm just doing a lot of points for uh, children of the devil. He also says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. If you uh, understand uh, the book of 1 John, um, there are a lot, of, a lot of things that we've mentioned in the past, but there's one thing I want to highlight. Uh, my, my old professor, Sinclair Ferguson, he talks about this. If you want to just understand the book of John, of 1 John and what he's trying to say, Uh, Just think of two stones that are thrown into a lake and concentric circles, the ripples are coming out. And so there are two main things that he's trying to drive home and he just repeats it and he builds upon it and he says it in a different way. And then the two stones is this. Number one, God is light. And so therefore we walk in light. We ought to walk in light. We ought to be holy because God is light. And the second thing is this, not just holiness, but God is love. And therefore, we walk in love. We love God. We love our neighbor. We love our enemy. So when he says, 
whoever does not practice righteousness is of God, not of God. He's talking about the light. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so the question is, are you walking in the light as he is in the light? Are you walking in love or are you actively hating people? And if this was just a whole sermon and I just stepped down, how terrible would that be, right? Um, but that was only just a description of the children of the devil. And next we're going to move to what it looks like to be a child of God. In verse 5, we're going to just go back to the top and go back down again. It says, You know that he appeared in order to take away sin. And so what uh, the Bible is saying here is, and we're going to look at different places, but if you think that this sermon, uh, if the next part of the sermon is okay now that since we know that we're walking in sin, Fix yourself so you're not doing all those things. And don't do any of the things that are listed. If, and if you think that's the way that you become saved, then that's also going back to what the Pharisees were thinking. They thought they were going to be saved through the law. But I'm going to go through a couple passages. 1 John uh, 1.10, this is what we talked about. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Christians, we struggle with sin. Um, Paul talks about this in Romans uh, 7, 4 to t- 20, uh, 7, 14 to 20, and I hope this is something that you guys often go back to. But it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want. So I don't do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And uh, I want to read... Uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith 5.5 and kind of uh, wrap up this point. But it says, the most wise, righteous, and gracious God does oftentimes leave for a season his own children to manifold temptations and the corruption of their own hearts to chastise them for their former sins or to discover unto them the hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts that they may be humbled to raise them to a more close and constant dependence for their support upon him and make them more watchful against any future occasion of sin. And what Paul is saying, what the Westminster divines were saying is this, that as Christians, we do struggle with sin. But when the Christian struggles with sin, it's no longer a, you ran a triathlon, you ran a marathon, and then you reach the end, and then you drink it, and it feels, just imagine how good that feels. That's not what sin does to us anymore. Sin is actually this toxic thing that we drink, but we're just so accustomed to drinking it, and so sometimes our struggle with sin, our fight with sin, our battle with sin might look good. I haven't been on that website in like a year, or I haven't said gossip about my friends anymore for about a month. 
Or sometimes some of us might be here in a place where it's like, no, I just did that yesterday. What's wrong with me? I thought that was going to bring me life, but actually it's bringing me death. And so while we're still here on this planet, let no one deceive you. You will struggle with sin, child of God. But sin, our relationship with sin is just so different now. Every time we sin, it's like, God, I'm so sorry. Or there might be, it might not just be instant too. There might be a month or two or years that go by and we're like, not repentant. And what the Westminster Confession of Faith 5.5 says is that sometimes God allows us to play in our own filth so that we can see how disgusting it is, how disgusting our own hearts are without him. And then when God shows his love for you, you're just like, yes, you love me still. The gospel didn't get bigger, but just imagine you're standing face to face with the Grand Canyon and you look up, you're like, oh, it's pretty big. But then what happens when you step back and you go further and further away from it? You see how big it is. And that is the gospel. It doesn't get bigger, but our perception of it becomes greater because we see how broken, broken, broken we are. Child of God, if you've entered here with sin, habitual sins, take joy at the fact that your heart is feeling remorse for these sins. And we've talked about this term, uh, said this phrase a lot, but I heard it first from uh, Pastor David Platt, but Christianity isn't holy perfection, it's holy direction. I've also heard this from another pastor too, but it's not that we become sinless, but the older we get, we sin less. Yeah, I still sin. Yeah, as a pastor, I still sin. I'm still broken. But when I compare my life to where I was as a Christian 10 years ago, God has done a lot in my life because the gospel has become bigger and bigger and bigger. Right? And so, verse 6, abide in Jesus. Verse 7, do not be deceived. Verse 7 and 10, practice righteousness. Because, verse 8, you are no longer under the power of Satan. And then verse 10, as a child of God, imperfect at times, all the time, we are called to love one another. Next week, after our seniors leave our ministry, there will be a new group of people that enter into our ministry, people who are coming from 6th to 7th grade. Imagine how scary that is. Not only in the past they would just join All-Stars, but now they're joining JG and All-Stars. When you see those new faces, what are your thoughts that are going to go through your head? Is it going to bully them? Is it, I want them to think I'm cool, so I'm going to act a certain way? Or is it, I'm going to love them so that they can know Jesus. All those things I've listed in this lifetime, we're not going to be perfect in our holiness. We're not going to be perfect in our obeying God and his commandments and his righteousness. But we are, the older we get, 
as justified people, as people who are considered righteous in God's sight because of Christ, we are going to grow and grow and grow and grow. We're going to challenge each other to do so. And the last uh, thing that I want to talk about, first we talked about children of the devil, and then we also talked about children of God. And now the question is, how do we go from becoming a child of the devil? Because when I look at my heart, I see what I deserve. To how do I become a children of God, a child of God? If you look uh, in today's passage in verse 5, I believe, it says, you know that he, Jesus, appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin first beautiful truth is that it doesn't say that you took away your own sin, but Jesus is the one who took away your sin because he is sinless. He achieved every sin that I mentioned earlier. Jesus perfectly not only uh, didn't do those things, but he also perfectly obeyed the commandments of God He didn't live his life in a way that was lawless. Sin is lawlessness. But he lived in a way that was obedient to God. And when you look at Jesus' life, would you use the word? Yeah, he obeyed everything, but he was sad. Would you describe his way, the way that he lived his life as joyless? No. He lived a life that displayed to us the most amount of joy See, a lot of us try to pull the fence, the different rules that have been in place, and we say we're going to have the most freedom when all these things are are gone and we can live however we want to live based on whatever's inside of me and I bring it out. But if I have a child and he wants to be free and cross the street, I'm going to do everything in my power as a loving father to not give him that freedom. Why? Because I want him to be joyful and happy. I don't want him to get hit by a car. You might have heard this too, but if you give a fish ultimate freedom and they end up on land, they're going to die. God has given us commandments, not because he wants to kind of make us live like, oh, okay, well, fine. I, I won't do this. He wants us to live in the way that we were designed in a relationship with God. And it's all because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And then if you look at verse 8, it says, the reason the Son of God appeared, so there's a purpose behind why Jesus came, was to destroy the works of the devil. Now the question becomes, how did Jesus do that exactly? Um, I'm going to close in a second, but a couple Maybe a month ago, I explained this in the Q&A, but uh, because of my mission organization and for a homework assignment, I had to go to a Catholic mass. And I just wanted to explain kind of what I saw there. I, I went in, and the pastor was speaking like this. I'm not trying to make fun, but I think they were trying to do like monotone. It sounded very like grand. The, the voices there were like, oh, and like stuff like that. Um, I hit that falsetto. I didn't know I could, but, and then all the, the pastor was like, no, 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 and then they were like, amen, and they were doing this, and then they lined up to go get the communion, and I saw with one person in the corner of my eye, one person who was literally like on their knees, but like in an angle that's like so impossible, but he was just like, God, forgive me of my sin, and then I want to read to you one of their 
pamphlets, a section in their pamphlet that they said. It says, you are obliged, obligated, ob- obliged to confess only mortal sins since you can obtain forgiveness. You can obtain forgiveness for your venial sins by sacrifices, acts of charity, prayer, and other pious actions. Confession of venial sins, however, is very helpful for avoiding sin and advancing in holiness toward heaven. My heart broke when I saw this because did Jesus come here? Did Jesus live and die? Did Jesus love us so that he can now give us the power to be free? But then we're going to struggle with sin, so we need to now confess our sins and do these different Hail Marys and confessions with the Father and then become clean again. But then we fall because we're so sinful and then we fall and then we have to do those things again. But then if we die, what happens? Then we go to purgatory and then we work it. How is that good news? The good news of the gospel. I just want to read to you two passages of the Bible. Or maybe, maybe this one. 1 Peter 2, 22-25. Jesus, he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not return did not revile in return when he suffered. He did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. This is what uh, Thomas Brook, a theologian, said. Our sins are debts that none can pay but Christ. It is not in our tears, but in his blood. It is not in our sighs, but his sufferings that testify for our sins. Christ must pay all or we are prisoners forever. And the good news is this. If there's anyone here is, that is practicing a life of sin, the bad news is that God is not your father. But the good news for you here today is when you believe in Jesus Christ, who bore the sin in his body and took the sin that you and I had, all of our sins, past, present, and future, he brought it to the tree where he received the eternal wrath for you and me. And in that is just faith. We are saved by faith and faith alone. But what that produces is, and this is why I don't like, I was preaching at a retreat this past week, and what I did not do was, who here wants to follow Jesus today? Raise your hands. Okay, that many? All right, now write it in your Bibles. Today is the day you became Christian. The reason why I can't do that, as much as I want to give you assurance, is that that confession doesn't prove that we are Christian. If you want to know the gospel, Read Romans over and over and over again. If you want to know if you're saved, read the book of 1 John over and over and over again. And compare your life to Scripture. Don't compare your life to another uh, person. 
really, really see, are you in a relationship with God? When you think about what Jesus has done for you, does it bring you joy? Does it bring you peace? Yes, we struggle with sin, but Jesus paid for me. Satan's going to accuse you. You did this. You don't deserve to be a child of God. And you say, yes, I don't deserve it. But there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you did this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You thought that. How could you? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so what I want to exhort each and every single one of you here today is this. Fill your heart with scripture. See what it says about God. See what he says about you. See what it looks like to be a child of his. When the King of kings and the Lord of lords looks at you, looks at me, and he declares to you, forgiven and free forever because I love them and sent my son for them. And so now our hearts Repentance isn't a circle where if we're inside of it, then we're forgiven, and we're outside of it, we're forgiven, so we need to repent and go back in. That's not what it is. It's whole land that we're on right now, as a Christian, we are forgiven. And sometimes we're heading towards God, but then we often drift away. But repentance is just turning back and going back towards God. We are going to fail. We are going to fall. We are going to sin as Christians. But Jesus says to you, my grace is sufficient. I love you because I love you. And the proof is not in your emotions. The proof is what I've done for you on the cross 2,000 years ago. And we know that we believe in that truth because the Spirit is alive in us. And now as Christians, our relationship with sin is different. You love your Father. You want to become like your Father. I'm not telling us that we have a desire to be holy so that God accepts us, but we have a desire to be holy because, in or, so we don't desire to be holy in order for God to accept us, but we desire to be holy, to walk after our Father, to look like him, to model him, to share his love with other people because he loves you perfectly right now. And so I, I pray that this word wouldn't end right now that you guys would take this word home. For those of you that are going to college, please read the book of Hebrews over and over and over and over again. Read the book of Romans before you go over and over and over again. Not just for our seniors, but everyone in our classes. Because these are truths that this world is dying to hear. So if we could take this time to pray. And the first thing I want us to pray over is this. Hear the words of Jesus when he says to you, it is finished. I've accomplished your salvation. The sermon is not about look at the law and then try to follow it, but it's look at the law, see how much you fall short, and come place your faith in me. And as a result of that, we have a second prayer, which is this, God, I desire to be holy I desire not to sin because, Lord, whenever I sin, I feel separated from you. 
But the best thing that can happen to me every single day is the fact that I'm walking hand in hand, stride by stride, step by step with my Father who loves me. And when I sin, Lord, I think about other things. I don't treasure you above all things. And if you are the greatest treasure, Lord, those other things are not worth it. And so as Christians, our relationship with sin looks different. Because, once again, Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin was like a crimson stain. He washed us, child of God, children of God, white. So let's pray right now, bringing our everything to God. God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your justice that you've shown to us through Jesus on the cross. Thank you that our salvation is not dependent on us. But Lord, help me now as I remember the gospel to live a life that is holy. Help me not to be like Pharisees who believe that doing the law saves us. And we judge our brother and sisters next to us. Lord, help us to walk in love and help us to walk in light. And so let's pray that over ourselves right now.